Welcome to the 2020 FBAS Mock Draft. You're either streaming this podcast or you're listening to it on the RTF Sports Network. Either way, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Wayne G, and I'm joined, as always, by Jesse B and Dan Sullivan. What's up, gentlemen? Hello. Hey, how we doing, folks? Now, you aren't just getting the three of us tonight. You're actually going to be joined by five members of the FBAS community making their picks as well. We might even have some insight from a Fox football sports analyst and former Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver. What? Yeah, we're really excited. This should be fun. We've got 32 teams, trades galore, and it all starts in... Five, four, three, two, one. Get well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson over. Everybody and their cousin does a mock draft this time of year, but I promise you nobody is doing it like this. FBAS Podcast is the only one coming to you live from the 2020 mock draft. How's everybody feeling tonight? Social distancing. COVID-19. Jesse, how do we pull this off? Through uh, technology, through the togetherness and tight-knit community that FBAS is. Uh, it was a very fun time that we had discussing picks, trading picks, and arguing picks. Uh, it was very fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to uh, tell all the fans about all the fun that we did have. All right. Now, before the Bengals take the podium for the first pick tonight, I did want to introduce you guys to five general managers that will be representing their teams. That is Raymond John Fabris has the Redskins and the Falcons tonight. Gary Bairdmore has the Broncos and the Saints. Ryan Leith takes the Raiders. Brandon Combs has the Vikings. We're going to have a lot about his picks. And FBAS newcomer Jake Druin has the Cardinals and the Ravens. Now, before we get into those drafts, we did have some pre-draft trades. And I was curious if Dan wanted to go over some of those. Yeah, speaking of Jake Druin and those Cardinals, they kind of hit the ground running. Now, to start, I will say Jacksonville made a pre-draft trade where they traded Yannick Ngakwe and sent him to the New York Football Giants for their second rounder, number 36 overall. Now, Yannick Ngakwe has come out and said he doesn't want to be in Jacksonville. He's not going to play out that contract. Uh, Jacksonville needs to get some value out of him. The Giants need a pass rusher, and at 36, you know, they're not going to find one as talented as Yannick Ngakwe, so it makes a ton of sense. Well, Yannick Ngakwe, 36, is four picks out of the first round. It's essentially a first-round pick. Do you think the Giants gave up too much, or do you think that that's a fair value for him? I actually think it's spot-on value for him. You know, he's still a young guy. He's still only 26 years old. He's very productive. He's had over 30 sacks in the last three years with 28. So he's an extremely productive guy. And, and I think it goes right in market value. Other pass rushers have gone for, for second-round picks, and they kind of had some off-field concerns. He doesn't really have those. So I think it's pretty fair value. 
Yeah, Jacksonville definitely made a splash. They knew they needed to get value for Yannick, who had really uh, tweeted the fact that he was done playing down there. He thanked the fans, but he was really hoping for uh, a new destination to play for. And I think that both teams won with this deal. And we'll find out just how Jacksonville won with it. Speaking of Jacksonville winning the trades, Jacksonville was able to turn that 36 pick. And having that, they were able to use other value they had to move up in the draft. So they pick from pick number 20, and they move all the way to pick number 8 with Arizona. And involving Arizona sends round 1, pick 8, and round 4, pick number 131, which they acquired from Houston. They send that to Jacksonville. Jacksonville sends their first rounder, uh, pick 20, their second rounder this year, pick 42, and then next year's second round pick. So Jacksonville clearly wants to make a splash. They clearly have two guys, or maybe even one, that they're very interested in in that top 10. And I think getting that 36 pick allows them to, to move up and, and kind of not feel bad because then they still have a second rounder. As their GM, what were your takes, uh, Jesse? Yeah, Jacksonville definitely wanted to make a splash or two, uh, and having two picks in the top 10 allows them that now. I think we'll see that they had a bevy of options. It was a really fun opportunity to uh, take a team with so many holes and uh, be able to do some pre-draft trades that I feel helped both teams along the way, but really helped Jacksonville make some awesome uh, selections here in the 2020 FBAS mock. And in the last pre-draft trade, Washington and Miami went ahead and made a deal. And Trent Williams finally got out of that situation in Washington. And they sent him to Miami for pick number 56. I think it's a great trade from both sides. It really made a ton of sense. Miami needs that force, that, that franchise guy along the offensive line. And the Redskins really needed to get away from that situation. So I think it's a perfect deal for both teams. Dan, I really feel that Miami made a uh, really great trade here. And I think that one of us three definitely brought it up a couple episodes ago, this exact trade potentially happening because Brian Flores would really need that veteran presence in the locker room. And so I feel like this trade really helped them both out. I know Cleveland was interested in Trent Williams, but I did not want to part as the GM of the Browns with the 41st overall pick. So I said, to hell with it. I'll probably find a guy in the draft and we'll see if I do or not. All right, so without further ado, let's head over to the podium as the Bengals' pick is in. With the first pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, Louisiana State University. So there we have it. Joe Burrow is the first overall pick. I don't think much of a surprise there for anything. Absolutely not. No, he seemed to be the surefire number one pick for a long time, and it would have been a disappointment if he wasn't the first pick. After winning you know, the Heisman and the National Championship, this guy was destined to be the number one overall pick in this draft. Yeah, no shock there. And thankfully, Cincinnati didn't screw it up, and they went ahead and took the player they should take. Joe Burrows had arguably the greatest college football season of all time and you know he's earned the number one pick he's a great player and Cincinnati should be very very thankful. I think Cincinnati fans and former Cincinnati players alike are going to really enjoy this pick. I actually have Fox football analyst and former Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada. He's been bugging us to come on the show for a little while. Hush, uh, what do you think about Joe Burrow being pick number one? Wayne, Jesse, and Dan. Pretty excited, man, to be on the FBAS podcast for this event. The Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow. This is the right pick. I work with Joe. 
his uh, confidence, his maturity, his field vision is what's going to separate him. The Bengals are building for the future, and Joe is going to be that foundational piece for the future. But I, like I said, I, I've worked with Joe, got a lot of time to work with him in his uh, draft process. And like I said, his field vision, his ability to throw receivers open is, is what is going to get the Bengals on the first step to get back to respectability in the league with the with the guys they have, the guys they picked up, a free agency. I mean, it's looking good for the Bengals. The future is bright, man. You guys enjoy and take care. All right, thanks, TJ Hushmanzada. Great insight from him. He has worked with Joe Burrow. And I guess it's time for the second pick. It looks like the pick is in. The commissioner is walking to the podium. Let's see who the Washington Redskins select at two. With the second pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Chase Young, defensive end from the Ohio State University. And again, no surprise there, Washington comes away with Chase Young. Again, a, a cut-and-dry pick, I think. One or two are pretty locked in stone. Washington comes out of here with Chase Young, a dominant pass rusher, one of the most dominant prospects I've graded in a really long time. He just does everything well. His hands, his technique, his speed, his, his transition from speed to power, his secondary moves, he really does everything well. It's a really, really fantastic pick here. What do you think, Jesse? Dare I say a win-win for Washington so far in this draft process. I mean, Redskins fan haven't heard wins in consecutive words in a long time. But trading away Trent Williams and then going ahead and drafting an absolute superstar in Chase Young, uh, I think it's a wonderful pick and a predictable pick, one they should have made. The interesting thing about this pick, I think, is there was a lot of chatter leading up to the draft about whether or not the Redskins would entertain drafting a quarterback here and if they had given up on Dwayne Haskins. For more on that, let's head down to the sideline and get an interview here with Ray and see what his thoughts are on the pick he just made and Dwayne Haskins' future. Ray, what sort of impact are you expecting Chase Young to have this year with the Redskins' defense? Well, when you get the best player in the draft, you are excited for the immediate impact that he can have. Chase will join a talented group of defensive linemen that will allow him to become the best version of himself. However, the most exciting part is that in meeting with Chase, we know that our expectations will never be as high as those he has set for himself. There were rumors going into the draft that you guys might consider taking a quarterback at number two. Does this pick mean that you are fully committed to Dwayne Haskins? Absolutely. We have been fully committed to Dwayne since he became a Redskin last spring. Thanks, Ray. Great to hear from you guys and interesting to hear what went into making those picks. And it looks like the Detroit Lions pick is in. With the third pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback, the Ohio State University. No surprise, really. I know there was a lot of talk about that third pick being in play for the trades, all the quarterbacks out there, but I do think the Lions had their guy in their sights. If they didn't get him here, they were going to get him later, but there was no way they were coming away without Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah, I think so, too. Rumors around the camps were that Detroit was trying to move down. I know they were in talks with the Chargers. I know they were in talks with the Dolphins. I know some teams kind of wanted to move up, but just a deal couldn't get done. And I don't think Detroit's upset at all to land Jeffrey Okuda and come away this draft with an absolute stud cornerback. So I'm sure they're thrilled. 
Yeah, going back to last week's episode, uh, we had Wayne ask Dan specifically about Jeffrey Okuda and uh, the fact that he would be drafted so high and compared to players at such an elite level uh, in the past in NFL. And so I think this pick was a no-brainer. This guy seems like a surefire all-pro for years to come. And the Lions are happy. You know, like Dan had mentioned, they tried to trade back, couldn't find uh, the best deal for them, so they took the best player for them. All right, so he could be a game changer. I know that Dan had mentioned he is in the same category and should be mentioned in the same breath as Deion Sanders, Champ Bailey, and Charles Woodson. Yeah, most definitely. He's up there with prospects upgraded at the cornerback position. He's got an extremely high grade in every facet of his game. So he has very few weaknesses coming in, and that's rare to have at the cornerback position. Well, let's head up to the podium. It is the New York football giants on the clock, and it looks like the pick is in. Dave Gettleman has never traded down. Let's see if that trend continues. And with the number four pick in the NFL draft, the New York Giants select Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, Wow, great pick for the New York Giants, adding a linebacker, not just a linebacker, maybe the most versatile player in the draft. He can play linebacker, cornerback, safety, whatever you need him to. This guy is really a jack-of-all-trades. We talked about it last episode. Going to be really exciting to see him in the blue. Yeah, most definitely. I think he's the player Dave Gettleman's been looking to get for a really long time now. Dave Gettleman has been trying to get that linebacker for his defense that can really be a game changer and Isaiah Simmons is exactly that it was really really tough to pass on a tackle there and I know they need one I know that's that's where the talent lies but I don't know Isaiah Simmons is my number three player in this draft and again I think just Dave Gettleman's falling in love with his size speed combination and I think that's where they end up going when it's all said and done Yeah, Isaiah Simmons is a fantastic player. We've spoken about how wonderful he is and how versatile he is. And uh, I think here it was either going to be him or, like Dan had mentioned, the best offensive tackle that could have been drafted. Great to see another stud pick here in the top four. With the Giants off the board, the Dolphins are on the clock, and it looks like they are ready to make their pick. With the number five pick in the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback, Alabama. Wow, bravo on the toughest name. Why, thank you. You know I know these prospects, so I, I got to make sure I say them right. Roll Tide, I think some people had this pick in question. They had his talent in question, and I think this is a wonderful pick for the Dolphins. Brian Flores could have waited on a quarterback till next year, but taking a guy as talented as Tua right here and uh, giving him the opportunity to play down in Miami is going to be wonderful for him. I'm very excited as an Alabama fan to see this guy get drafted, and I think it's a really smart pick for that organization. He is a very good pick. I know that the Chargers were in some talks to try to get him at three. The talks fell apart. The requests were just a little too high. I do have a question for Dan. With Tua being picked for the Dolphins at five, you're the general manager for the Dolphins. What is the plan with Tua going forward? He has the injury history. Are you going to sit him his entire rookie year, or do you think there's a chance he might get to play this year? 
Uh, I think there may be a slight chance he gets to play. We'd like to get him a little a little bit of time at the end of the season, I think, just to see what we got as a finished product. But, you know, we're really excited to see what Ryan Fitzpatrick can do and continue to build with this team and continue to build on what he finished the end of the season as and what we as a team finished the end of the season as. I think we were a totally different team than what we began the season as. We were able to come in and add Trent Williams into our ball club. You know, he gives us a, a franchise cornerstone at the left tackle position, gives us the ability to protect our quarterback, which we vastly need and I think we'd like to see Tua get a little bit of playing time but he's in no rush we're going to let him heal up and when he's ready to play and, and our franchise is ready to have him he'll step right in seamlessly I do think that's the smart play with Tua you know don't rush this guy let him fully heal let him learn from a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who has succeeded through so many opportunities in the NFL so far so I think the Dolphins would be smart to let him sit for 75 to 80 percent of the season and then like Dan had mentioned see what they got with him towards the end then nobody's nobody down in Miami thinks that they're winning the Super Bowl so let's see what we got with Tua towards the end well the Chargers did not pony up the bounty to get Tua let's see what they do at six if they're going to go quarterback or if they're going to move down With the sixth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon. Wow, I'm honestly shocked. I really didn't expect it from Los Angeles. I don't dislike the pick. I, I take that back. I dislike the pick only because I, I don't think Justin Herbert's ready to play in the NFL. But I understand it. Los Angeles has got to make a splash. They need something at quarterback. You can't go forward with just Tyrod Taylor and that being your plan. I would have loved for see them to actually, you know, kind of pony up the dough and move up for two. I think two is a special player, and I think I'd have done what it takes to get him, but I understand why they did also. This team's ready to win ball games right now, though, so I really did expect them to go tackle and protect Tyrod. I think this team's ready to win 10 ball games, so I, I really did think they would go tackle, and it kind of surprised me to see him go Justin Herbert. Yeah, taking another quarterback this early uh, certainly shakes up the draft, but I do see the vision here. Herbert was certainly in the running to be one of the first quarterbacks to be taken after Joe Burrow, obviously, and uh, they're going to need a, a face out there, and this guy's going to give them an opportunity to win some games, but I'm not sure if they're ready to move on from Tyrod, but it's certainly a shocking pick to say the least. Well, I know that the Chargers, when we looked at him, we said, here's a guy who's six foot six. he's incredibly mobile, maybe one of the more mobile pocket-passing quarterbacks we've seen in a long time, electric arm. The big question mark on him has been his consistency, and I know that inconsistent college quarterbacks usually have short NFL careers, but I do see a lot of promise here, and I do think he's going to have a really great career in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, the number seven pick is coming in. It is curious. We have not seen any of the big-name tackles come off the board. The Giants didn't take one. The Chargers didn't take one. Will the Panthers take a tackle at pick number seven? Let's go to the podium. With the seventh pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Derek Brown, defensive lineman out of the University of Auburn. A great pick. It actually feels like a Ron Rivera kind of pick. Just a defensive mauler in the middle of a defensive line that can get to the quarterback, that can stuff the run, who is just an absolute monster. And Carolina's really got a superstar now that's going to anchor that defense up front. Yeah, Ron Rivera's going to hate having to see that from Washington. Um, but <laughs> Derek Brown is a uh, hes a wonderful player that played in the SEC. Um, obviously, in my opinion, the best defense you're going to find in college football. And uh, Carolina needs to find a replacement for Joe McCoy. So I think Derek Brown is a great pick here. 
I know that there were certainly talks about an offensive tackle here, but I think with quarterback on question because they signed Teddy Bridgewater, I think Derek Brown is an absolute stud. So he's a fantastic pick here, and Carolina is happy to get him. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I think Matt Rule makes the right decision here and takes a, a proven player in Derek Brown. I mean, he may not give you the kind of pass rushing force that you're kind of looking for in a top 10 pick, but he is just ferocious against the run, and he's technically sound everywhere else. He's going to collapse the pocket. He reminds me so much of Chris Jones. It's scary. He doesn't have the refined pass rushing moves as Chris Jones, but just the way he's able to collapse the pocket and just wreak havoc up the middle is is really special. I think it's a very good team-building pick, like you had mentioned, Wayne, and I think that's what they need in Carolina. Well, going from the Carolina Panthers to a team that was an expansion team along with them, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're on the clock and the pick is in. Who will the Jacksonville Jaguars take in their first of back-to-back picks here at eight? With the eighth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, South Carolina. Excellent pick. This is such a good pick. I can't say enough about it. Javon Kinlaw is just a a freak of nature. I know that's kind of my tagline at this point when describing prospects, but I mean, it's it's the truth. He's so big. He's so long. If, If you were to construct your perfect interior defensive lineman in a lab, you'd come out with Javon Kinlaw. He's just so good. And and he wants to learn. He's a lot of teams have him going through the draft process, you know, and and saying he can't wait to get NFL coaching because he doesn't think the coaching he got in South Carolina, not to throw his coaching under the bus, but he just doesn't think they were good enough in what he was should be getting. And he's so excited to get that kind of coaching at the next level. And if his pass rushing moves are already this good, to see that kid get some coaching should be really good. It's, it's a fantastic pick for Jacksonville. Yeah, thinking about the last impact defensive lineman that has come out of South Carolina, you know, Jadavion Clowney, that guy's a free agent right now, but he's obviously been a force in the NFL. I think Javon Kinlaw is a wonderful pick and the best splash that Jacksonville could have made with that first of their two picks here. I like the player and I like the team, but I don't know if I love it at eight. I really thought Kinlaw was going to go later in the teens. I don't want to say it's a reach because I do think they are getting a top 10 talent. I just thought that most teams... Even though this guy was a top 10 talent, uh, with all the tackles on the board, he was going to slip down into the teens. See, I I don't think he is at all. I think this is kind of right where he goes. I honestly think he may go ahead of Derrick Brown when it's all said and done. What he brings to the table pass rushing-wise is just on a different level. So I I, I don't know. I I think this is right where he should go. All right, it is time for the second of those back-to-back picks. The Jacksonville Jaguars will pick again at number nine, and it looks like the pick is in. With the ninth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of the University of Florida. Wow, so they're replacing Jalen Ramsey with essentially a, not Jalen Ramsey clones. I know Dan said that was going to be Okuda, but this is Jalen Ramsey light. They're getting a great, great, great cover guy. If they can teach him how to tackle, this could be a really great pick. 
Yeah, I think some here saw, you know, Jacksonville potentially going another direction, but we had talked with Dan just this last episode about the drop-off at the cornerback position, and I felt that after Henderson, it was a mile long from Jacksonville's perspective, so to take Henderson here to pair along with Kinlaw, their defense is ready to go. We're getting back to Saxonville. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Henderson's picked up a lot of steam heading into this draft process. The more and more I hear about it, this pick could be a dead-on perfect pick. There are talks that they may like one of the wide receivers and make a splash in that sense because I do think that may move the needle. But, I mean, I love C.J. Henderson, and I agree the fall-off from after C.J. Henderson to the next corner I think is pretty decent, and the fall-off to the next wide receiver or whatever their next need may be isn't that far, I don't think. So I like it really, I like it a ton for Jacksonville. I'm getting rumblings from Twitter and the social media-verse that there may be a trade at the next pick. Let's go to the podium and see what happened. The Cleveland Browns have traded the 10th overall pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. And with the 10th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. Roll Tide. This is the best receiver in the draft, in my opinion. Wonderlick scores aside, he was a delight to watch down in Alabama. Everybody knows me, knows that I'm a hardcore Crimson Tide fan. So not surprised to see this guy be the first receiver off the board. I think it's a wonderful pick. And Philadelphia certainly made a a large jump in the draft here to take the number one receiver. But that was at least 10 picks, right, Dan? Uh, What did Philadelphia have to give up in this trade? Philadelphia did make a large jump. They went from all the way to 21 to 10, and they gave up kind of a haul to do so. Similar to Jacksonville, Cleveland's given up round one, pick 10, and round four, pick 115. Philadelphia has given up round one, pick 21, round two, pick 53, and a 2021 round two as well. So they're giving up quite the haul to move up. I think this ball club and this team needs a dynamic playmaker on the outside. Jerry Judy is that, in my opinion. There are talks that CeeDee Lamb may be the number one. Jerry Judy might be the number one. I think Jerry Judy separated himself from CeeDee Lamb just from the pure route running and separation standpoint, and that's what matters in the NFL. Jerry Judy just creates separation. He could get away from you in a phone booth. He really could. He is that quick, that elusive, that sneaky with his feet and just route running ability, and I think would form a dangerous, dangerous combo with Carson Wentz up there in Philadelphia, and I love the pick. I love this pick as well. I think that there was no secret that the Philadelphia Eagles were taking a wide receiver in this draft. There was some talk that they might trade up to 15, 14 in that range and maybe get rugs. But to get up to 10, to get Judy before anybody else has a chance to get him, I heard there was already a deal in place for the Raiders to try to sneak up and grab him at 11. That's next now. And so great pick by Philadelphia, getting the best receiver in the draft, a position of their biggest need. Now it's Cleveland's GM. What was your take on the trade? Why were you willing to move down? It's an interesting move because the Cleveland Browns have other needs And they saw an opportunity here to grab a couple of second round picks. And they're not moving down that far in their opinion. We still haven't seen a single one of the big name tackles come off the board. So I think that they felt like they could trade down and still get some help at 21. And the return is just really great. I love this two second round picks is really what sealed it for me. I know that I'm a bear to deal with in negotiations because I do not like to trade unless I'm getting some sort of value. And I thought that the sweet and low on this deal was that second round pick in 21. Yeah, I can attest to our pain in the ass to deal with them trading. But I think it's very realistic. 
you know, I, I mean, I think you can attest too. I kind of dug my feet in as Tampa's GM on OJ Howard before the thing started too. And I think a lot of these teams, you know, that's what GMs do. They want to get the most value out of their player. And if they don't get it, they're fine to hold fast. And, you know, I think this deal really works out for both sides. I think what's weighted is, like you said, all four tackles being there, I think allows Cleveland the ability to move back a little and still feel okay with being able to grab a tackle if that's what they really want to do. All right, so it looks like the 11th pick is in. As I mentioned, there was a trade in place. That trade has fallen through, and it looks like the Jets are going to make their pick at 11. Let's head up to the podium. We can hear the chants already. With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Jedrick Wills, tackle, Alabama. Roll Tide, once again, you know, a fantastic player, a fantastic fit. They drafted their franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold a couple years ago. Hopefully he's not going to be completely ruined by Adam Gase. Wills is a fantastic tackle, and I think this was a great pick for them. Dan, what do you think about this pick? No, I'm a big, big fan. I, finally, the first tackle comes off the board, and I don't think anybody would be surprised if it was Jedrick Wills here. The New York Jets brought in George Fant in the offseason, and they've come out and said the plans are to play him at left tackle. So they were coming in looking for a right tackle, and Jedrick Wills is exactly that. The guy's played on the right side his entire career, in part because Tua was left-handed, so they needed their best lineman on the right side to be their blindside protector. But all that does is transition him into the NFL to not have to learn new footwork, not have to learn new base drop sets and things like that. He fits in seamlessly to the, to the right side for the Jets and is an instant day-one starter and contributor, and I think great pick for that franchise he is going to protect our franchise quarterback and i do believe that he is a franchise quarterback and that's darnold but the other guy that i believe in is i do believe in Le'Veon bell and i do believe that he is still a potential 17 or 1800 yard combined yardage guy and i will love to see him get back to his old form with a little bit more muscle on the offensive line you know he's almost a forgotten player at this point and i completely agree Adding an athletic tackle like Wills to even get out in the screen game, which I know they love to do in, in New York. And, and even he's, a, he's actually a really, really good run blocker as well. I think it benefits Le'Veon Bell greatly. Fantastic point. Ryan Leith, who is a Buffalo Bills fan, has the privilege of drafting for the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's head up to the podium and see what Las Vegas is going to do with the number 12 overall pick. With the 12th pick. In the 2020 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Fantastic pick for the Raiders here. I mean, I think dream scenario for them. If they can end up in this draft coming out with either Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, I think they're going to be thrilled. They need a playmaker on the outside so bad, like a consistent player. I mean, Tyrell Williams can stretch the field on the outside for them, and that's nice and all, but they need a consistent player for that offense, and CeeDee Lamb is exactly that. He gets comps to DeAndre Hopkins, you know, his physicality and his, you know, his ability after the catch and his ability to attack at the catch point, and I love the comp. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think Las Vegas is going to be thrilled to have a player like him in their organization. I think this is another great pick by Mike Mayock. We know that he has a wonderful football mind, and so to see them go ahead and take the best receiver in this draft, again, we've talked about flipping a quarter between Judy and Lamb and having the best talent here at wideout, but I think this is a great guy to add to an offense that we're either going to see Derek Carr throw to or Marcus Mariota 
again, I think we all agree we're going to see more Mariota starts than Derek Carr starts. If Mike Mayock and his beautiful mind have any say in it, it's going to be Marcus Mariota throwing those touchdown passes to CeeDee Lamb. And this could be a turnaround point in his career. I agree, actually. If, I, I mean, if they get CeeDee Lamb or, or whatever other you know piece in this instance, CeeDee Lamb, and you know Mariota actually figures that offense, because I think he's going to have the backing and the confidence of the organization, and that can do wonders for a player. Like, look at what Brian Tannehill, once they committed to him and said, hey, you're our quarterback and things like that, he played well. I mean, I, I think it's a great pick for that team. The Colts traded away the number 13 overall pick earlier in the offseason. They got DeForest Buckner. So the 49ers are now going to pick 13. I'm curious if they're going to replace that defensive hole or are they going to go somewhere else? Let's head up to the podium and find out. With the 13th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver. University of Alabama. Roll, Roll Tide. <laughs> I actually don't know how much I like this pick. I love Henry Ruggs, and I know the need of receiver is definitely there. I just don't know if he differs from what they already have in Debo Samuel, and I'm just not sure, like, you know, how many 5'11", 190-pound receivers can you really have on your team? I think they need a, a true outside guy, and I think now they've got, like, a, a bundle of number twos and threes at the same time. That guy's speed and playmaking ability and just electricity is something that I think any team will use and find a way to use, especially San Francisco and that, and that coaching staff. So I'm kind of at a, at a middle grounds with this pick. I, I mean, I love the player. I just, I'm not 100% in love with the fit, but I, I mean, I still think it's a great talent to bring in. Yeah, with the first of San Francisco's two first picks, we would love to have moved down and, and gotten better value on Ruggs. But we think that this guy is the best route runner in this draft. He came from a proven offense in Alabama, and uh, it's certainly going to be a fun toy for Jimmy Garoppolo to have out there in the Bay. Tampa Bay is off the clock, essentially. The pick is in. The commissioner is walking to the podium. Where will the Buccaneers go with Tom Brady at the helm? With the 14th pick in the NFL draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle, University of Alabama. Dan, as a Buccaneers fan, this is going to be an absolute dram scenario for you, getting who many consider to be the best offensive lineman in this year's draft at pick 14. Tell us, as a, a true Buccaneers fan, someone who has stated he has sat in those seats when nobody was there, how does this feel to have Tom Brady this offseason and then the wonderful offensive lineman there with him? Well... It's a dream come true. Tampa Bay was actually scrambling to kind of move up in a couple of spots. They had reached out to Arizona before the draft even started and tried to move up to that number eight spot to secure Tristan Wirfs and make sure they got him there. However, that trade process fell through because they weren't willing to offer the 2021 second rounder that Jacksonville was. So that just didn't happen. But then as the draft played out, you know, we saw that a tackle didn't go four and a tackle didn't go six. And, and then, you know, Cleveland trades down. And then we knew at that point we were getting our guy. I think we're very, very, very excited to have Tristan come in here and play for our ball club. He's an athletic player. He's a physical player. He comes from Iowa where, where we know he was taught well. His hands are, are, are very, very good. 
Bass is sound. He's played on the right side already, so it won't be a tough transition for him to come in and play right tackle for us. And we're really happy with our bookends at Donovan Smith and, and Tristan Wirfs to keep our, our new franchise signal caller, Tom Brady, happy and healthy. I love the pick as well. I think that this is a guy who manhandles defensive linemen. He pushes them around. That's just what they need. Tom Brady's coming out of a situation where he is still a very accurate passer. He still gets the ball out as quick as anybody in the league, but he's had to because he has been on his back more and more and more. And I think that giving him not just the offensive weapons with Godwin and Evans going to Tampa Bay, I think giving him time to throw now is going to make him absolutely lethal. Yeah, no, I agree. That's the idea behind it. We're just hoping we can keep him upright and keep him healthy, like we said. You know, we're really happy to get Tristan there. You know, we thought long and hard about Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. He's a very good player, but we just were more comfortable with Tristan on the right side of our offensive line. There was some talk at 15 that the Broncos might be looking to move down. Let's see what happens with this pick. With the 15th pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Mackay Becton. Tackle, the University of Louisville. This is a really great pick. I think Mackay Becton, there was some talk that he might go six to the Chargers and even as high as four to the Giants because he is a very, very, very athletic offensive tackle. He's fast, he's strong, he's agile, he pushes people around in the run game and the pass game, and this is a guy who really, at 15, could be the steal of the draft. Yeah, this guy's an absolute mauler, and uh, this is the run that Dan predicted on offensive linemen. Let's see just how far Thomas does fall here, but like Dan predicted, once one goes, we're going to start to see teams scramble to make sure they secure the next best one in this draft, and Becton was exactly that. Some could have seen him be drafted as the first or second offensive lineman to go, so a wonderful pick by Denver, and I think they are doing the right thing for their offense. Yeah, Denver was in a tough spot there in that draft. I know they had tried numerous times to move up in the draft and just weren't able to. I say they get stuck at pick 15 and they end up with Mekhi Becton, and I don't think they would be upset at all. You know, the Garrett Bowles experiment isn't really working out like they planned, and I think they wouldn't feel bad about moving on. And like you said, Mekhi Becton's ceiling could be the highest of all the tackles. I think his floor is the lowest also, though. And I think that's why he drops in here, and he may drop in real life. That's I know that's why the, the Giants passed on him. We're just worried about his floor. I think all the tools are there. If the kid is ever able to put them all together and reach his peak, this could be very well the steal of the draft. Let's bring in Gary Beardmore, the general manager who made this draft for the Denver Broncos at number 15. Gary, the Broncos get left tackle Makai Becton at number 15. Were you surprised that he fell that far? Surprised? To be honest, yes and no. On one hand, I don't believe there's much of a difference in terms of the overall rankings of the top four offensive tackles in this draft. It's not surprising that somebody of his ability kind of slipped through the cracks, so to say. But I was a little bit surprised that of those four, Makai was the one that was available when we went on the clock. This is a special football player that we drafted. The kid is a combination of size, power, and agility that you just can't teach. We were all wowed at the combine watching him run his 40. Now he's got a little bit of a technique to clean up that he needs to work on, but we've got one of the best offensive line coaches in the game on our sidelines. <laughs> I'd venture to say that Mike Munchak is a very happy man right now. Thank you, Gary, and congratulations on the steal. All right, so the 16th pick is in, and this time we actually do have a trade. Let's hear what the commissioner has to say. 
The Atlanta Falcons have traded the 16th pick to the Cleveland Browns. With the 16th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Andrew Thomas, tackle, Georgia. I mean, dream scenario for the Cleveland Browns, right? For them to be able to move down from 10, get the haul of two second-round picks, then move back up. Now, what did it cost you to move up, Wayne? Do you have those details in front of you? Or? To move up to 16, which was really just a, a five-pick jump, I got 16 and 143, or the fourth-round pick from Atlanta. I gave up 21 and my third-round pick, 74, plus a future third-round pick next year. Yeah, see, so they didn't even have to give up any of their second-round ball for that to move up. I, I mean, I love that. I mean, that's a really savvy move as a franchise. That's a great start for that team and that coaching staff there. And I think this is exactly how they thought it might play out. You know, when they didn't see any tackle gone at 10, they knew they could move down and still probably get one of their guys. Once Andrew Thomas started falling, they moved back up and pounced all over it. I think it's a really savvy move, and I love it. Yeah, again, not too often you hear Savvy and Cleveland Browns in the same sentence, so they need to go ahead and put that one on the fridge. To reiterate what you guys are saying, this is a wonderful pick for them. Over the last couple of years, we've seen them make some much better draft picks, and I think uh, having a guy who can certainly protect their star quarterback there, Mayfield, this is a great pick for them. One of the best tackles in the draft to be gotten at 16 is wonderful. We knew that tackle was a big need going into the draft. We have Conklin on one side. We have an empty spot on the other side. We need to protect Baker Mayfield. He has all the talent in the world. He is going to be the best quarterback in NFL history when all is said and done. And we needed to get somebody to protect him so he can get the ball out. Wayne Hot Takes, keeping it fresh. It looks like we're going to have another trade. Back-to-back -back trades here at 16 and 17. Let's head up to the podium and see what the Dallas Cowboys got for their pick. With the 17th selection in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select T. Higgins, wide receiver, Clemson. Wow. What just happened? What an awful pick. I guess Minnesota just wants to blow up their franchise and just start over from nothing, I guess. Sign Kirk Cousins to a deal and get T. Higgins when there's so much better talent on the board. I don't know. I don't understand this pick at all. I'm not really sure what the affinity really is for T. Higgins here at this point. I have four other receivers ahead of him on my board at this point, and I think most teams will. I, I think this is our first really kind of reach and kind of blunder of this draft, and it's no surprise that it comes from Minnesota here. Not only did they take, I think, a, a reach of a player, I think the move up, too, is just unnecessary. What did they give up to move up? The Minnesota Vikings, to move up to 17, which is the only pick the Cowboys gave up, gave up their first-round pick, 22, their third-round pick, 89, and backup safety, J. Ron Curse. Wow, it's actually quite the haul to move up. I mean, that's very surprising. You know, I don't expect Anthony Harris to be around after this year. Harrison Smith is getting up there in age, so for them to let go of J. Ron Curse is kind of surprising. Wow, they must have really loved T. Higgins, and they must see something in him that nobody else in the world does. Yeah, this was a questionable pick for sure. I think that, like Dan had mentioned, you know, coming hot off the press with our most recent episode and his rankings, there were at least three or four receivers that we got to talk about in depth that we think would have been much better fits here for any team, let alone a team that's going to trade up and give up such value. So T. Higgins, a good receiver, but I'm not sure that's the guy I would have taken. Dan, hypothetically, if you were in this position, which receiver would you have taken at 17 if you were put in the position of a team that just traded up? I mean, there's four of them you could have taken. Brandon Ayuk, 
fits that team to a T. He fit like a glove in that offense. Denzel Mims, who's everybody's wonder boy right now, would fit so perfectly in that offense. He is the exact boundary receiver you want that offense right now. Justin Jefferson, are you kidding me? He's arguably the best route runner left, but he's arguably the best like guy finding holes in the zones in this whole entire draft. Why not take him? Jalen Rager is literally a Stefan Diggs clone. That's who I have him cop to in this draft, is Stefan Diggs. Why not take Jalen Rager? All of them I have rated higher than T. Higgins. I get it. He's a big physical boundary receiver, but like he's DK Metcalf that can't run a 4-3. So he's, I mean, I hate to put this on you, Patriots fans. He's a worse Nikhil Harry. He's just, I don't understand this at all. I don't like the pick at all. If I'm grading it, this is a big old fat F bomb. This pick sucks. All right, so speaking of Nikhil Harry, uh, don't you two hosts have a... We do have a bet. We got a bet on whether Nikhil Harry gets 1,100 yards this year and he's not even going to come close. I'll put another bet. says T. Higgins doesn't catch 20 balls this season. The guy's atrocious. I don't know how that pick made it. Well, in the words of Harry Doyle in Major League Two, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. So let's head down to Brandon Combs and see what the hell he's thinking. After several attempts to move up, the Vikings eventually draft at 17 and take T. Higgins. How big of a need do you feel wide receiver was in this draft? Yeah, so we came into this thing knowing that we really wanted to improve ourselves at wide receiver. And we also knew T. was our guy. We tried moving up earlier in the draft because we didn't want to leave him on the board too long. Luckily, nobody saw the talent that we saw. And we were able to move up at 17, trade with Dallas, and, and, and get our guy. How do you see T. Higgins fitting into this offense? We think T.O. fit in very good here in Minnesota. You know, we just re-signed Kirk, who, you know, is a very accurate passer. Higgins is a very good route runner, natural hands catcher. He's also fast enough off the line of scrimmage to run physical cornerbacks. At 215 pounds, he's big enough to beat players with similar size. I feel like he's an A.J. Green-type guy, and, uh, you know, we're very excited to have him. Thank you, Brandon. I know you have another pick coming up a little bit later, so I'll let you get back to the war room, and we look forward to hearing you later on in the program. So the 18th pick is in the Miami Dolphins, the second of their three picks in this first round. Let's head up to the podium and see what they do. With the 18th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Kalevon Chason, Edge, Louisiana State University. I like this pick a lot. This is a guy that I thought actually would go up at 16 to the Falcons before they trade it back. He is a ferocious edge rusher. He may not be Chase Young, but he is a guy that's going to get the quarterback, get him down, and I think that the Dolphins get a really, really good pass rusher. Maybe the best pass rusher they've had since uh, maybe what was it, Crowder was a little bit younger. I think Miami's extremely thrilled to see Chase on here. I didn't expect him to fall. We as a franchise didn't expect him to fall. We thought Dallas may jump on him. We thought Atlanta may jump on him. But we're extremely happy to have him here. You know, the kid just turned 21. He's still extremely young, and he's already this athletic and this good of a pass rusher. We're just really excited to, to mold him and, and allow him to use that athletic ability and teach him how to refine his technique and turn him into a real dominant pass rusher on our defense. Yeah, LSU is very famous for being able to put stud defensive players into the NFL, not only at safety, but uh, recent history shows us Danelle Hunter for the Vikings is a fantastic defensive lineman. So Chase On is a great pick for the Dolphins. They continue to do some uh, powerful things in the draft. Now it's time for the Raiders' second pick in the first round. Let's head up to the podium and see what the Las Vegas Raiders do at number 19. 
With the 19th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Patrick Queen, linebacker, Louisiana State University. Uh, I'm actually not the biggest fan of this pick, honestly. I love Patrick Queen as a prospect. I think he's exactly what you look for in today's game, but I just don't think they needed him. They signed two linebackers this offseason uh, in Corey Littleton and uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, and I just don't think he was a need for them, really. I don't think they needed to to bring another linebacker in at that point. I would have loved for see them to go corner, you know, follow the Clemson route. A.J. Terrell makes a ton of sense for them, I think, right there. I know it may be a little early, but it kind of follows the mold of the team. Even Christian Fulton, somebody like that, I think would have made a lot of sense for this ball club. They, they need a playmaker at, at the quarterback position really bad. So I didn't love the pick. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm an SEC fan and an LSU fan, so I think that uh, Queen was a very good player, someone who, like Dan mentioned, projects to be a really good NFL linebacker. Questionable pick here, but uh, I think that this guy could end up being a really good pick for Mike Mayock, who knows football better than all of us combined. I'm glad Mayock's one on the show and it's not Gruden because I really didn't like the idea of trading away Khalil Mack, who might have been the best defensive player in the NFL. You can say Luke Donald. I think Khalil Mack is right in that discussion with him. And you get back first-round picks and you use them to take a guy like Patrick Queen. And I'm not saying that this is the Bears pick, but I'm just saying that I feel like you're downgrading positions. You're trading guys for first-round picks and then you're drafting guys who aren't as good at them at the same position. I mean, to be fair, like we don't know what Patrick Queen's going to be. I mean, if he comes out and he's Darius Leonard then the trade's not you know then it looks different because then you have a guy who's you know an impactful all pro and I get that's the end of the rainbow but I mean that's kind of how you have to look at it sometimes again I just don't think it was that big of a position to need I think they're, they're kind of set at linebacker and I think they would have done better to go elsewhere but I mean I love the talent and, and you can never have enough talent on the field so you know now we finally get to the Cardinals, who traded all the way down to number 20, and their general manager, FBAS newcomer, Jake Druin. Let's go to the podium and see what the Cardinals do at 20. With the 20th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Josh Jones, offensive tackle, Houston. I think just a great overall draft process for Arizona so far. To be able to move down and get the extra value and then still come away with Josh Jones is, I think, a huge home run for them. I understand they could stay there at eight and get a tackle who may be considered better. However, I don't think the distance between the big four and Josh Jones is as big as people think. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he went as early as 14 to Tampa if the big four go ahead of them. And then if he's there at 14, Tampa's really going to think about taking him there. So I kind of love it. The team seems like they're okay with Marcus Gilbert at right tackle for a year. They've just re-signed Humphreys on the left side. So, you know, you bring in Josh Jones and you prepare for the future and you make sure you keep Kyler Murray upright. I just think it's a fantastic pick for the team. I got a second what Dan said and just mentioned that Jake has done a wonderful job so far of representing Arizona in this draft process. The trades that he made and the use of his assets really came to fruition here. I mean, I think getting this player here, uh, Josh Jones, is fantastic value. And uh, he was able to recoup some picks as well. So that's why I mentioned earlier in the episode that Jacksonville and Arizona both won this trade. I wonder what thought process went into those picks. Let's head on down and ask Jake what his thought process was trading down and what his thought process is with Jones at the pit. 
Jake, congratulations on getting your guy. The Cardinals make a huge splash, trading back to number 20. How do you feel about the return you got in the trade? When the Arizona Cardinals made the trade back with uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to the 20th spot in the 2020 NFL Draft, Josh Jones was number one on their big board on who they felt would be there and who they wanted to take. Their analytics department, along with their scouting department, have Josh Jones graded out as a top 20 prospect. Mind you, he's far from a finished product. He did only allow two pressures on 325 pass block reps at the University of Houston. Pro Football Focus had him graded at a 90-plus grades in both pass protection and run blocking. He's definitely someone we can see fitting on the right side on the offensive line to help protect Kyler Murray for the foreseeable future. Thanks, Jake. And that brings us to our next pick, number 21, the Atlanta Falcons. Let's head up to the podium and see who Ray is taking with the 21st pick. With the 21st pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Christian Fulton, cornerback from LSU. Yeah, so Fulton, a fantastic pick for these guys. I think that Atlanta was trying to move up in the draft process earlier. I mean, O'Ray does a fantastic job representing, you know, the Falcons here and takes a serious position of need with cornerback. Fulton, a guy who really played tough football, I, I believe, at LSU. So, I mean, a fantastic player at LSU. Yeah, I love the pick as well. I'm a big fan. I know Atlanta was very active trying to move up into the top 10 to secure C.J. Henderson. And that dream died when Jacksonville decided to stay put and take him. And and then after that, I, I think they were pretty set on Christian Fulton. And I think they were happy to move down to 21. It's still kind of comfortable they could land him. And I think he's a perfect fit in that cover three off man zone coverage stuff they run there. I think both sides are going to be very, very happy with how that turned out. It is a really great value, and I do think that outside of that top 10, I know speaking with Ray, he had mentioned to me that he was thinking about moving back because of the salary cap implications. They're in a kind of a tight spot this season, so he was thinking let's get some assets for next season when the cap gets a little bit looser around their necks. Yeah, that's smart. Ray's a very smart, heady GM. I know he's thinking about things that, you know, a lot of GMs would think about and a lot of other mockers maybe wouldn't. And that's one of them. You know, they are in a tough cap situation. And, you know, moving down out would help. And as as crazy as it sounds, even moving down from 16 to 21 really does help a franchise in a cap situation. So that was a good move. Let's head down to the sideline one more time and speak with Raymond John Fabris, the general manager for the Atlanta Falcons. Ray, the Falcons traded down to number 21. They took Christian Fulton. What do you like about his game, and what sort of impact do you expect him to have in the NFL this year? We love Christian's overall ability in press man coverage and his stickiness. He is terrific with his back to the ball and attacking the catch point. We're also excited to have him grow next to Isaiah Oliver and solidify our secondary. Cowboys are on the clock at 22. They traded back from 17. This offseason, they did have one of their star offensive linemen, Travis Frederick, retire. Let's see if they replace him with this pick. With the 22nd pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Cesar Ruiz, center, Michigan. Wow, I mean, a bit of a shocker, but a, a great shocker. You know, you asked me last week who I thought my number one interior offensive lineman was and who I think the guy who's got a chance to go in the first round, and that's Cesar Ruiz. 
Another kid who just turned 21. Super young, extremely good pass protector, extremely mean in the run game, can play center or guard. He'll probably, you know, he will play center. Just jump right into the Travis Frederick role. You know, it's a team playing to its strengths. Yes, they have needs in other places. Yes, they could use a pass rusher, sure. Yeah, they could use a corner, sure. But what this team does is run the football and protect its quarterback. That's how they've won all these games. It's how they've been a dominant franchise. And they continue that here with, with Cesar Ruiz and it may seem a little early to some people, but like like Travis Frederick seemed early to a lot of people too. I think this pick will, will turn out to be a really smart and good pick for this franchise when it's all said and done. Yeah, Dan, you mentioned protecting that quarterback and obviously so some questionability about Dak Prescott and uh, will he, won't he. But uh, I think this is a fantastic pick, uh, a sneaky pick that some fans aren't going to really recognize. But it was awesome that Dan had kind of mentioned this pick last week. And here we are seeing Wayne make a surprise pick, the same team that surprised Dan so long ago with Travis Frederick. I think that this guy is going to be able to step right in and have an awesome time playing with a great line and Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, the thought process, I think, Dan, you hit it right on the head, is that we need to run the football. This team lives and dies with the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott. We love Dak. We hope we get a deal done with him. But at the end of the day, if Zeke isn't putting up 1,500 yards rushing, we're going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. And the only way that can happen is we need to have strong interior linemen opening up those inside holes so that he can get through, get to that first point of contact with the middle linebacker or with the linebacker, knock him back a couple yards, and get that 6-7-8 yard game. Yeah, most definitely. And honestly, you know, if you watch Dallas, they run a lot of these powers and a lot of these inside pulls in their center actually pulls quite a bit. You know, I think Cesar Ruiz is a perfect fit for that. Again, I just can't say enough. I actually, I mean, when this pick, you know, actually happened in the mock, I I said something. This is a fantastic pick. Such a good pick. Let's head up to the podium. Bill Belichick, no stranger to trading back in the draft, has the 23rd overall pick. He does not have a second round pick thanks to the Mohamed Sanu trade. Let's see where the Patriots go at 23. The Patriots have traded the 23rd pick to the Indianapolis Colts. With the 23rd pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. Dan, don't you love this guy? Woo! Man, I do. And I think this is really an ideal situation for him. What did Indianapolis end up giving up for the pick, sir? So, uh, yeah, New England did a very New England type thing and was able to trade back. They got pick 34, pick 75, as well as a 2021 fourth round pick where Bill Belichick makes most of his money. This was a very Bill Belichickian type move. He got some praise in the group chat. I think that it's very likely that he's going to trade out of this spot, not just because of his history, but because of their needs and their lack of assets and in the second and third round. So they were very willing to make this move, and I think that they made a very great trade um, with Indianapolis here. Yeah, I actually agree. I mean, from both sides, I think this is a very, very good trade. I think this is a trade that's got a lot of realism and a lot of realistic possibility here. You know New England's got a ton of needs, which is surprising, but they've got a ton of needs and they probably want to move down and get value because they don't have picks in other rounds. You know Bill Belichick likes to accumulate those mid-round picks. That's where he makes his, his bread and butter. Now he's got 75, I think he's got 87, and I think he's got 98 too now, along with still 34, which is a high second-round pick that if he wants to flip, you know, he can flip that and move down to, you know, the 50s and collect some more picks, honestly. So, I mean, I think it's a great situation and for the Colts side. You know, they get Jordan Love. You know, I think it's who they wanted at 13, but I think they convinced themselves that 13 was the wrong spot to take him, and they were able to get 
all-pro player in DeForest Buckner, who's still only 25, 26 years old, and now also move up from that pick from Washington that they got at 34 and not give up a ton of value really to get their quarterback in the future and Jordan Love in an ideal situation where Phillip Rivers can play and Jordan Love can mentor behind him. I just, I, I love this trade from both sides. That was our thought making the pick is that Jordan Love can come in, play for a year behind Phillip Rivers, who's a great veteran in the league, a guy who basically punches a clock and throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns every year. What better player to learn from than Phillip Rivers? Yeah, Wayne, in the past, you actually questioned when this deal happened because you were shocked it was a one-year deal as opposed to a two-year deal. And I think that if this was a two-year deal for Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis, I don't think they drafted a quarterback here in the first round. So, you know, it kind of comes full circle where you questioned it, but it also allowed you to make this move for Jordan Love. The one-year deal does make it a lot easier. If it was a two-year deal, I'm not going to say we wouldn't take a quarterback, but it just would be a little bit more of a difficult decision. The Saints are on the clock. The pick is in. Let's head up to the podium and see who Gary takes with the 24th overall pick for the Saints. With the 24th pick, 2020 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, Louisiana State University. Yeah, Gary had mentioned, you know, keeping the the kid in-state, a hometown pick here. We've got Justin Jefferson, who played at LSU. He's going to go ahead and play for the Saints and be matched up with Drew Brees. They also had added Emmanuel Sanders early in the offseason. So this is a, a wonderful pick for a team who's able to add someone for the short term and for the long term in this offseason so far. So I think Gary did a great job representing the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world, the Saints would love to move down. And I, I think they would love for you know, New England to not be able to, and then teams would have to knock on the Saints' door because the Saints don't have a second or a third-round pick. So I think they would love to move down, but in this case, they weren't able to, and they got the player that probably should have gone at pick 17 where, where Minnesota was drafted, and honestly, who I thought Minnesota was moving up to get. And Justin Jefferson, who I think may come out of this draft as one of the more productive players, especially right away. Just what he does well, I think, is just going to translate into the NFL. He really does. Just, he's able to just find those pockets and just get into open space and just be an outlet for a receiver and I think that's very important in that offense. Drew Brees I mean I, I just honestly if that actually happens he'd be my number one fantasy wide receiver target probably. Well that leads to my question which I was going to ask with the Saints having signed Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason they already have Michael Thomas I didn't know if Justin Jefferson would be a little bit of a redundancy in that offense. I don't think it would matter, especially in that offense. And I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is a long-term option by any means anyway. I also don't think Justin Jefferson is strictly limited to a slot player. Yes, he's a slot player, but I don't think he's strictly limited to there. Now, it's kind of an easy comp because they both went to LSU. But, I mean, think of Jarvis Landry. Like, yeah, Jarvis Landry's a slot player. That's where he's going to do his best work. But if you had to throw him out on the boundary, you know, you obviously can. And he can do a lot of good things out there also. And, and that's kind of what I see from Justin Jefferson. And I think, you know, they're also planning for the future here, too. So, like I said, Emmanuel Sanders isn't a long-term option. Justin Jefferson is. Let's head down to Gary and see what he says about what the Saints were thinking with the number 24 overall pick. The Saints get wide receiver Justin Jefferson at number 24. This guy put up extremely huge numbers in college. How do you guys see him fitting alongside Michael Thomas? We were thrilled to be looking at Justin Jefferson when we went on the clock at number 24. He's a guy that lined up in multiple positions on the field in the past few years. We feel like he can contribute right away. 
adding a guy like him to what we already have, you know, guys like Michael Thomas mentioned, uh, Manny Sanders, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook. It just gives Drew Brees another versatile a weapon to work with. Plus, Jefferson's a solid blocker in the run game, which is a very underrated skill, in my opinion, when you're evaluating players. The Minnesota Vikings are on the clock with the 25th pick. They had traded up previously and taken T. Higgins. Let's see where they go at 25. With the 25th selection in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Trayvon Diggs, cornerback, Alabama. Well, I didn't think they could screw this pick up any worse than they screwed up pick 17, and they shocked me and proved me wrong. They screwed this one up pretty bad, too. I don't think this is a pick that I see any way possibly happening. I understand Brandon's thought process from this point in Minnesota's thought process. Uh, Trevin Diggs is a long, physical, athletic corner. He's a playmaker. He's, he's just learning the position. I, I believe he's only played there two or three years, so he's still pretty raw and he's already this good. He's exactly kind of what Mike Zimmer wants in a cornerback. However, his last name is Diggs, and they just kicked one Diggs out of that franchise and had a huge fiasco with him. And I'm sure his brother is not going to want to come to that franchise, and I'm sure his brother, they're not going to want to deal with the, his brother and that asshole. Uh, it just doesn't make any kind of sense to me in any way. I don't understand the pick. I love the position. I think it makes a ton of sense. However, I think Jeff Gladney makes a ton of sense there. Who's the exact same physical corner, the exact same kind of play style, the exact same kind of playmaking ability. I actually have Jeff Gladney rated higher than Trevin Diggs, and I think he fits their system perfectly too, and his last name isn't Diggs. That's my big gripe with it. I don't hate the position. I, I hate the pick. So far in the first round, what grade do you give the Minnesota Vikings? I'd give him a D probably at this point. And it's the only thing that's saving it from a pure F is that I like Trevor Diggs as a prospect. And I think this is kind of the area he goes. And I think he really fits with the team. It's just, you know, again, there's there's just no way that front office takes on the headache of the brother of the guy who's just one of the biggest headaches they've had in a long time. Overall, I don't love the draft. It, it's He's saving it from an F, but from T. Higgins, but I mean, this, this pick's just a D. It may even be a D minus. It's not a very good draft for me to say. Brandon Coombs not having a wonderful debut in FBAS, uh, according to Dan. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't mean to attack him personally. The guy, you know, knows his stuff. Uh, I know he knows his football. You know, the draft's a, a whole different beast. I just don't really like either of his picks in this situation. But, not, you know, you're not going to like every pick. I don't think he liked every of my picks, too. You know what I mean? So it's just me personally. I think this is a whiff. Well, let's head down to the sideline and get Brandon's take on the Minnesota pick at number 25. Brandon, the Vikings take digs at 25. Give us a little bit about your thought process going into the pick. Yeah, Trayvon was certainly the right pick for us there. We knew we needed to beef up at the cornerback position, and Trayvon was the, the best guy on the board. I know a lot of people are questioning, you know, trade his brother earlier in the month and then and then select him, you know, but but Stefan was, was a guy who we would have loved to have hung on to, but we did have to make a business decision and let him go. And for us, Trayvon was just, he was the best cornerback on the board at the time and and we are happy that we have him and we're excited to see what he can do the miami dolphins with their third and final pick in the first round picking at 26 let's head to the podium and see who they went with with the 26th pick 
in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Miami Dolphins select Denzel Mims, wide receiver, Bailey. Denzel Mims is a fantastic pick for Miami here. Of their three picks so far, they've hit home runs in all three, in my opinion. Getting Tua, getting Chase on, and now getting a wonderful receiver that honestly should have been gone by now in Denzel Mims, a guy that really blew up at Baylor. Dan, this is a wonderful pick. that You've done a wonderful job with Miami. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. We had a lot of needs. We got a lot of places to fill out. And wide receiver may kind of be a luxury pick, but we didn't expect a Denzel Mims to be here at 26. I love his talent. He's a big physical boundary receiver who can run the entire route tree and make all the plays on the football field. We wanted to bring in somebody to help our quarterback. We wanted to bring in an offensive weapon to help Tua. And we're really, really happy to get Denzel Mims here. We weren't forced to bring in a tackle again because we were able to add Trent Williams. I'm very happy with what we were able to do here, address the defensive side of the football with Kalevon Chason, and then address the offensive side of the football with Trent Williams, Denzel Mims, and obviously Tua Tagovailoa. And then we still have pick 39 to address the need when we need to. So I appreciate that. We're very thankful with this draft. I love the Mims pick. I think he's fantastic. I think not just his size, but you look at his 40 time, you look at his vertical. He can get the ball so many different ways. And the fact that he's a good route runner is just a bonus, but you can put the ball up in the air anywhere near him, and he's going to go up and get it. I think it's the perfect complement to a young quarterback, similar to what, maybe in a lighter sense, but similar to what Randy Moss was for Dante Culpepper. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Anytime you can alleviate stress and pressure on your quarterback, that's a good thing. They've got a budding star, Devontae Parker, added Denzel Mims to that team. And, you know, I actually kind of really like where they're going with this franchise. And it's a long build process. People have to remember that. This isn't going to happen overnight. You know, Denzel Mims comes in and works, and, and Devontae Parker, and they grow together. You know, we build this thing from the ground up. Well, the pick is in at number 27. And as they say in the music industry, It looks like the Browns are back in town. The Seahawks have traded the number 27 pick to the Cleveland Browns. With the 27th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Grant Delpit, safety, Louisiana State University. Grant Delpit, a fantastic safety in a line of fantastic safeties out of LSU. I wonder if this guy's a bit of a reach here because, Dan, you did have a couple safeties kind of clumped together here. I think that Cleveland uh, certainly has had a, a fantastic draft so far, but adding Grant Elpit, um, what do you feel, Dan? Is this the right pick for them? I actually do like it. I do agree that all these safeties are kind of clumped together. Xavier McKinney, Grant Elpit, Jeremy Chin, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield, they're all kind of looped together. However, if one could stand out to a team, it's going to be Grant Delpit. What he does well in coverage with his instincts and his ability to make plays on the football, I think separate him from every other safety in this draft. He's the prototypical center fielder, and he's just a great guy to have in your back end. I I kind of really, really low-key like what Cleveland's done in this draft. To move back and acquire pick 53 and a 2021 second rounder, then move up without giving up either of those values to get Andrew Thomas, then move back up into the second or into the bottom of the first round, essentially using that ammo that you had to get a guy like Grant Delpit, who I can't stress enough the impact he's going to make on this defense. I think it's just such a, such a wonderful offseason for this franchise. People need to realize that the Browns are being talked about as the division winners just last season. So this team's ready to win football games right now. So for them to make the impact of getting prime starters 
immediately. People who can step onto the field and play tomorrow football. Andrew Thomas is ready to play football tomorrow. Grant Delpit is ready to play football tomorrow. These guys aren't projects. They don't need time to sit. They don't need to learn anything. I, I, I really like what they've done. Now, Wayne, you had to move up as Cleveland to get Grant Delpit. Was it worth the move for you? Yeah, so Cleveland had to move up. In order to do that, the Seattle Seahawks, it was more the Seahawks wanting to move down than the Browns wanting to move up. But the Browns did take advantage. They traded number 53, which is what they got in the Philadelphia trade. They traded a 2021 second-round pick for next year. And they're able to go up and get Delpit, who, like Dan said, is going to be an immediate starter. And the Seahawks get their you know, preferred choice, which is moving back and getting a couple of second-rounders. Yeah, so the team essentially gave up nothing to get Andrew Thomas and Grant Delpit because the picks they got from Philadelphia were the picks they gave up in this trade. I just think it was, a, a, again, a, we're going to use this word with Cleveland, which is rare. Such a savvy move. Such a savvy move. At pick 28, we have the Baltimore Ravens, and we get to hear newcomer Jake Druin and who he thinks the Ravens will take at 28. Let's head up to the podium. With the 28th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Oklahoma. Great pick in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, Dan. I think that Baltimore has a fantastic history of drafting. I think that they need to make a move at linebacker because C.J. Mosley recently transitioned over to the New York Jets franchise. So they have a wonderful history of having impact linebackers, and I'm sure Murray's going to be right next in line there. Yeah, I know a lot of mockers and things like that are kind of predicting an edge to them or, or something like that, but I, I don't think that's the way this franchise goes. You know, they generate their pressure from being a blitzing franchise and blitzing up the middle, and Kenneth Murray does that probably the best out of anybody in this draft coming from the linebacker position. He rushes the passer so well. He can truly play sideline to sideline. Yeah, he's not a premier coverage linebacker, but he has the speed and, and mobility to actually hang with some of these guys and not be essentially a liability. I think it's just a great overall scheme fit, though. I, I think it's a really good pick, really good pick. Jake's come in and, and, and made a big splash in his first action here at FBAS. Well, let's head down and see what Jake thinks about Murray and how he fits into the Ravens lineage of linebackers. Jake, Baltimore has a great lineage of middle linebackers, headlined, of course, by Ray Lewis. Where do you see Murray fitting in to the defense right now, and where do you see him fitting in historically? Baltimore Ravens, the uh, high upside prospect in Kenneth Murray, a linebacker that has rare speed and length for his size. He has the ability to play not only downhill, but be able to play sideline to sideline. Most likely for his rookie year, they, I see him slotting in as a strong inside linebacker or maybe even a weak inside linebacker coming on a pure pursuit role or blitz role. His coverage, he showed weakness in his coverage in college. It's something for him to work on, but definitely somebody that has the potential to become a Mike linebacker in the future. Thanks again, Jake. And with that pick over with and the 29th pick coming in, the Titans have the next pick. Dan, who are the Titans going to take with the 29th pick? With the 29th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Zach Baum, linebacker, Wisconsin. 
I gotta say, I'm pretty shocked here. Um, I, I honestly thought that AJ Epinesa would have been the first edge to be taken towards the end of this first round here, and to see Brongo instead. Dan, uh, can you tell uh, us a bit more about this guy? Yeah, Zach Bond's actually a, a tweener there. He's in the middle between an off-ball linebacker and a pass-rushing linebacker, and I think that's kind of exactly where he's going to fit in Tennessee's scheme. Think Jamie Collins, think Kyle Van Noy, think guys like that who have come from you know the Patriots lineage and those type of linebackers. That's Zach Bond. I don't think A.J. Epinesa really fits this scheme. They run kind of like that 3-4 hybrid there. And, and yeah, I think they could find a spot for him and, and things like that. But I just don't know if it's like a super good scheme fit. And I just think Zach Bond's a player who Mike Vrabel is going to see a lot of himself in, honestly. I think Mike Vrabel is going to look at this kid and be like, wow, is that me out there playing football? And and I think that's going to rain you know, pretty hard. And, and I, I love the pick for Tennessee. I think it's a great scheme fit again. But depending on how much of himself he sees in Braun, what do you think the chances are he gets some snaps at tight end? Uh, probably zero. Actually, you know, they've kind of got their guy at tight end. They used Dennis Kelly, and I know he was their third tackle last year, and this year he's probably going to be their starting tackle, depending on what they do. But, you know, they've got other guys in there for that thing. But, hey, you never know. With a 30th pick here coming up, let's go to the podium and hear who the Green Bay Packers have targeted at 30. With a 30th pick, In the 2020 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Chase Claypool, wide receiver, Notre Dame. Yeah, a guy that we talked about that had that body of a real thick receiver, uh, almost a, a hybrid receiver tight end, certainly a position of need in Green Bay. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is really gonna like this guy, whether or not he's the receiver that they should have taken. Dan, how do you feel about the guy they took? I actually hate this pick. I think it's a big reach for multiple reasons. I'm not in the Green Bay for a wide receiver camp. I know it's a big need. I know that's where most people think they're going to go. However, historically, that that franchise just does not draft outside of premier positions in the first round. I know Ted Thompson's not there, but that's still how that franchise is groomed. They take, outside of quarterback, they take tackle, defensive line, or corner. Or that's just all, and defensive line, I add edge into that. They just don't take, you know, off-ball linebackers. They don't take, you know, wide receivers. They don't take what's considered non-traditional premier positions in the first round. Outside of that, I don't love the player at the point. I love the player. I don't love him at 30. I'm very high on Brandon Ayuk, as you guys know. I know he's not the physical imposing you know, outside presence or, or, or freak that Chase Claypool is, but I still think he'd give them a good enough outside presence, and I think he kind of fits the offense a little better. But, you know, I don't hate it. I also, I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman. I really think he's going to rise a lot of boards. And if Green Bay does come away with a wide receiver in this draft, I personally think it'll be Michael Pittman. So those are my reasons for kind of not liking this pick. I'd love to hear Green Bay's side and and what their, their GM was thinking when they made this terrible, terrible pick. Well, Green Bay going into this pick was thinking it is wide receiver or bust in the first round. We were determined to get a wide receiver in the first round. I did want to trade up and see if I could get one of the premier guys, but I just didn't really have what it took to get up there. And those guys went actually earlier than I thought they were going to go. So there was no chance of me getting them. And it was basically towards the end, I said, you know what? Denzel Mims is my guy. I'm taking Mims. And then Miami snuck in there and sniped me on it. 
So I was like, all right, well, I still need a receiver. I do like Ayuk. I do like him, but it was really about size. You know, they've got uh, Devontae Adams. They like that big 6'4", 6'3", 6'5", wide receiver on the outside. And so I was kind of just matching one with another, kind of put a mirror out there. Okay. I mean, I, I understand the logic. I do. I would think that Green Bay may wait if that's the case and get a guy later on. You know, maybe a Chase Claypool later or uh, Colin Johnson from Texas, maybe if, if that's what they're going to do. Now, I do think Chase Claypool is a whole different kind of talent. My only issue with Chase Claypool is he's a pure workout warrior. You put on his tape and you just don't see the same things translate. But, you know, you never know. The NFL is, is a fickle beast. And it's all about the right system. Pick. So if you can get put in the right system here, you never know. All right. At pick 31, I see the commissioner walking to the podium now. Jesse finally, after a long wait, gets to make a pick for the 49ers. Where are they going at 31? With the 31st pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Ross Blackhawk, inside defensive lineman, Texas Christian University. I like this pick a lot. I really do. I thought that the 49ers might at 13 go with a defensive tackle or an interior defensive lineman to kind of replace that DeForest Buckner that they traded away to get that 13th pick. And I think that they got a really great pick there at 31 because I think that's a guy who probably could go earlier than that, but they got him in a good spot. And I think he definitely fits a need that I thought they were going to address, address earlier. So it makes me like the Henry Ruggs pick a little bit more because they did end up addressing that need. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, I think they would love for one of the big defensive tackles, just the way that franchise is run. I think they'd prefer one of the big defensive tackles to drop a 13. In our mock, they just didn't. They were both gone within the top eight picks. But getting Ross Blackhawk this late, I think, is a really good value. I talked about him last week and how much I do like him. I don't know if, if I have him over Neville Gallimore yet, uh, or if I have Neville Gallimore over Ross Blackhawk yet. But, I mean, what he does, he shoots gaps really, really, really violently. Like, it's impressive to watch him get through the hole, you know, extremely quick. It's fun to watch. I would have thought he went to Minnesota. Miami thought real long and hard about pairing Ross Blacklock with Christian Wilkins from last year. But I'd have thought Minnesota went there. That would have been my pick for Minnesota if I represented them. They need defensive line help pretty bad. But San Francisco gets a gift with Ross Blacklock there at 31. Yeah, again, like I mentioned earlier, San Francisco really would have loved the opportunity to move back at pick 31. It's a real luxury here to have a guy like Ross Blackhawk fall this far back into our lap. This is a guy, you know, we have a history of loving drafting defensive linemen, so this is huge for us, and uh, we love what this guy can do for our franchise going forward. We are coming to a close of the night, and the 32nd and final first-round pick is in. Let's head up to the podium and see what the defending Super Bowl champions do at number 32. With the 32nd pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Jeff Gladney, quarterback, Texas Christian. I really like this pick. I like it a lot more because this guy shouldn't have been here based on what we saw Minnesota do. Gladney should have been the pick when Diggs was. So I think that Kansas City, again, we're talking about the teams that play in the Super Bowl have absolute luxury picks at the end of the first round. And both these teams walk away with what can be considered steals. I agree. I think that Gladney's a fantastic pick here at the end. 
he definitely should have been where Diggs was, but he wasn't, and it ended up being a gift for the Chiefs, who I think if he is off the table and Diggs is available, I don't think they take him. It's probably a running back or some other position, but I definitely think they got a fantastic you know, mid-first-round pick at 32. Yeah, we're thrilled. I mean, I would think our biggest overall need is improving our defensive secondary, and we were thrilled to have Jeff Gladney fall into our laps there. I think he fits our scheme to T. I mean, he's the aggressive playmaking corner who's also not afraid to be physical that we're looking for. I think it's going to really, really, really help our defense out, and we're thrilled to have him here and, you know, shore up that defense to go along with our incredible high-octane offense. Another great podcast comes to a close. I know you still can't believe what you just listened to. It was the greatest mock draft podcast in the history of podcasts. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming, or listening to us on the RTF Sports Network. I know Jesse and Dan appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you really enjoy the product that we put out for you guys every week. It's a lot of hard work from everybody involved. Yeah, it was really nice to have a lot of FBAS community involvement in this one. This was a huge production, and I think uh, a lot of thanks goes to all of the uh, participants that shared their time and uh, their opinions, did a very nice job representing their teams. And I think uh, another uh, huge thank you goes out to Dan for doing what he can in this season that he calls his Christmas. Finally, uh, the biggest thanks to Wayne, who does all the editing and uh, makes all this sound so great for all you folks out there. Yeah, definitely. This is a great episode. I want to thank everybody. You know, a big shout out to, to all the dudes who, who helped us do this. You know, I know it was a long process and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the production value, you know, we got to give big thanks to, to Wayne. He's the man. Please, you know, listen to us, RTF, sign up. You know, I don't know if they're still doing the three-month deal, but, you know, sign up and listen to us on RTF, rate, review. You know, come and join the FBAS podcast. We're a great group of guys. Thank you, and have a wonderful evening, boys. And now TJ Hushmanzada can finally stop bugging us to come on. We finally let him have his wish. That's right. Shout out to thank you, TJ Hushmanzada. God damn it, Kenny Smith. What do you want? What do you have to say?